Fox Spots and Chair Shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Fox Spots and Chair Shots on all platforms to make sure we get in here on Fox Spots and Chair Shots. One of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Fox Spots and Chair Shots, check Savage! Hello to all my people. If you're watching live, checking us out on YouTube, or listening on your favorite podcast provider, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch Spots and Share Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but if not, we'll sprinkle in Bobby and RN, you know, so we still get over. I am your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here on this journey, and tonight that journey is the history of the strap. Remember, here at Box Watch and Share Shots, we call it in the ring from all the angles. Joining me tonight is my Smack Marl brother. He is the Devon to my Bubba Ray. He is the Kennel Master RN. RN, how are you, sir? Oh, well, don't for- you forgot that I'm the brains and beauty of the Smack Raw uh, Rewind show, so just make sure you put that in there on the next intro. I will put that in right now on my notes. <laughs> brains and beauty. Making his botch spots and chair shots return for a special history of the strap. He is the yellow shoe guy, Bobby Mack. Bobby, thanks for coming on and chatting about some wrestling. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for the invitation. I was uh, a little bit cautious. I just wanted to uh, to clear the air and give everybody a chance to come on a nice medium. You know, it's a, it's a good way for us to all cross paths and be on good terms. So I'm going to start by asking you two gentlemen, what has you the most pissed off for greatness right now in the uh, professional wrestling world? I'll go first. I don't care. All right, and you want to jump in? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, well, first of all, it's why is Natty still on our screen? That's my <laughs> first thing. I can't fucking stand her. She's terrible. And I don't understand the hate and the, like, disdain for Austin Theory. Like, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea. I get it. But, like, for years... We've been bitching, moaning, and complaining about WWE can't make a new star. WWE doesn't do anything with their young stars. WWE keeps going back to the same people over and over again. Well, they're finally doing something right and organically building up a young star who literally is 24 years old. So we got probably 20 years worth of them to move on to, and it's still something to fucking complain about. So at this point, it has nothing to do with WWE. Now it's just we're bitter fucking bitches and just can't handle or take anything positive that WWE does good. Like, I guess they fuck up a lot. Yes. They completely disappoint us and make us want to shoot ourselves in the head time and time again, every fucking chance they get. But we really do finally have one thing they're doing right between him and riddle and people still are shitting on it. Like I just don't get it. I don't understand it. It's like, so basically what you're telling me is there isn't shit WWE can do to make you not shit on. That's what I, that's what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> I think I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and if you watched our Money in the Bank uh, recap the other night on the Rewind, you and I we had an exchange to say the least. Um, <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm ready to say that I'm okay with theory. I think that if he rides the Money in the Bank briefcase long enough and continues to be in this spotlight and show me that he can be consistent, then I'll represent it maybe eight months, a year from now. You know what I mean? As long as he doesn't cash it in this summer at SummerSlam, uh, I'll be okay with it. Just let the kind of build a little bit. I do have to jump on the fuck Matt Riddle bandwagon, though. I'm just not a Riddle guy. Um, 
I used to be when he was in the fight pit with Timothy Thatcher and coming out right. of black and gold. I could represent that. And when he got into the main roster, I just feel like he's kind of a caricature of himself at this point. Uh, Bobby Mack, what are your opinions on Riddle, uh, Riddle and Theory? Oh, man. Um, I hate to say something controversial right away, but uh, I'm not a Theory or Riddle fan. Um, Riddle well, that's and, fine. Yeah, Rick. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I don't want to shit on anybody that's not fans. I'm like, I get that. Like, and that's and kind of they're kind of polarizing both of them. Like, one's a fucking dumb stoner and one's a fucking idiotic brat. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Like, that, that part, like, I'm okay if you don't like them. I'm just talking about the everything behind them as far as the company being behind them and the pushes that they're getting. That's the part. I, like, I know a lot of people don't like either one. I get it. Like, I'm not. That's what wrestling is. You like somebody, you don't like somebody. It's cool. But my thing is, like, the WWE portion of it, them finally, like, organically letting two guys just grow and not automatically throwing them into the fucking main event to get killed or throwing the title on them that they're not ready for. You know what I'm saying? That's my thing. It's like they're literally just letting them kind of ground swell it up and kind of letting them do their thing in their own little corner, even though uh, theory shit is a little bit different. He is kind of getting bumped up sort of into the main event space. But, like, my thing is, like, the – not necessarily their characters, how you feel about their characters, how you feel about how the company is treated. That's the part I'm angry about and bitch about. Sorry to me to cut you off. No, no, I'm good with that. Like, I think, like, I do, like, I agree with you. Like, I like that they're trying to build people. Um, but I also feel like I'm being force-fed again. And, like, yeah. with the Reigns, like, you know, like, the, the things we've done, you know, with Cena in the past. But Cena was able to overcome that. Can Theory overcome this Tyler Breeze gimmick of taking selfies? Because Tyler Breeze couldn't do it. And right. much- Tyler Breeze was much smaller, but it's the same gimmick. So can can Theory get over that? Um, Riddle with this whole throwing his shoes off and doing these graphics, um, you know, I, I that I'm never going to get behind. Um, right. No, Riddle, I hate that too. I, yeah, it's so yeah. dumb. I hate it. Yeah, Riddle's a great athlete. But again, like Nakamura, I just don't get it. I don't get it yet. And he hasn't. He hasn't connected with me. And am I the core audience they're going for nowadays? Probably not. I'm in my 40s. Um, you but, are no longer in the key demo. Oh, no. So I, was saying, I don't get it either. Like, I'm not that far behind you. I know you may not think, but I'm literally not that far. I don't, I don't get I don't smoke weed. Like, I think he sounds fucking stupid as shit. Like, I get it. But, like, both of them, like, I grew, I came into independent wrestling, watching them and evolve and, like, watching them grow. And I seen what they can do without the handcuffs on. So, like, my love for them, like, I'm not going to shit on anybody that doesn't love them and, like, appreciate them the way that I do. Like, I've seen them wrestle. I've seen these two guys wrestle probably more than I've seen any two dudes wrestle because Evolve is not that far from me. Like, Philly, uh, Missouri, shit like that, where I can literally drive a couple hours and see it. And I've met Matt Riddle here at uh, PW Revolver and fucking uh, Rockstar Wrestling that the Chris Brothers and Sammy Callahan ran here in Dayton, Ohio. Like, I've met him two or three times just like, I'm not going to shit anybody that don't love him or I do. And like, I'm just happy that the stupid gimmick that Vince doesn't get, they're still letting him live and letting him breathe. And I did not think it would last as long. Like, I literally thought he was going to be fucking dude off uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High by this point in, in his career. Like, so any all the success he's having, like, I'm eating this shit up. Even though I, you're right, I don't get the character. I think it's dumb as shit. I hate the flip-flop thing and all that, but, like, I mean, he's he's being successful on TV and not being buried. So I kind of got to swallow my shit and just grin and bear it. 
Yeah, Richmond High, I can say, you know, Sean Penn has come a long way in his career since that role. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking one of the greatest actors he's done, he's of all time. Yeah. Other, other than, you know, Marion Madonna uh, at one point in time. <laughs> right. He's done pretty well for himself. So, you know, if Riddle can, like, again, I'm looking at, you know, Riddle to RVD. Like, RVD, when I was 20 years younger, I got RVD. And I'm not right. a big pot smoker or anything like that, but I got the culture. Um, they're doing it very subtle with Riddle. Um, and really, I think Riddle, it's going to make or break him when Orton comes back. Yeah. When he comes back, is it a feud? Is it a friendship? Is it whatever? That's what's going to make Riddle. With Theory, they've got to, I think, let him go a little bit and let him organically either connect or disconnect with the fans. Because right, right now, I feel like, again, we're being force-thread Riddle. And when I'm force fed something, um, you know, other than being an infant, which I really can't remember much of, I don't need that. I don't want that. And the thing about like, I totally agree with the force fed thing. And I think we could take it a little bit easier. Like we did with Seth. If we had that some actual authority figure that we can aim the fucking shit at that they're forcing it down. Cause now he's just out there on his own. Like if he had Stephanie and triple H, like, Seth did like he kind of got a pass, but if you really think about it, he got shoved down our throat too. But because we could blame it on the authority and them choosing him, it kind of gave him the ability to kind of skate past that Xbox heat and just be the person, you know what I'm saying, a heel, you know what I'm saying, and not get that real hit. I think that that's where they're slipping on this is like we he has to be with somebody, put him with MVP, put him with somebody. Like he has to have somebody to kind of draw that real heat away from him so he can grow and develop. Put him with Heyman. Take him. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Let, let him be the next big thing. Because when he came out there, when Reigns was out there at the ring, Reigns totally dismissed him and pretty much made him look like a jobber. Yes. Like, didn't, didn't recognize him as a real threat. And I felt the same way when he came out there. I was like, okay, absolutely. skipping around the ring. Like he's like Mary Poppins, B. Like it's just like nothing. Like, yeah. No, I could not agree more. And that's the thing that, I think that they're so scared that people are going to think that and like that we are forcing or that they're kind of pulling back a little bit on what they should be doing. When I think, no, if you're, if you're going to force it, just say it and put it out there and make us and let us know you're forcing it. So then that way we have somebody to aim our fucking vitriol at and fucking venom at and kind of give him a shield from it. You know what I'm saying? And like, cause I totally agree. Like they made him look like a bitch like flat out. Like, yeah. Like we, we respected the McMahon Helmsley era. Like we we understood it. We understood when Vince had the corporation. Right. But now they've kind of just they they forced him a little bit. Now they just stopped. And that's I think what they did with Roman, where they made that mistake. Right. Or they send out fucking what's his name, and like nobody takes him serious either, really, as like an authority figure. So it's like, because sometimes he's a good guy and sometimes mm-hmm. he's a bad guy. So it's like the crowd. I don't think the crowd knows to boo him or cheer him because. He walks that fucking line all the time, like like with the theory stuff, like throwing theory in because Mr. McMahon said, though, they booed him. But like they were just cheering him earlier in the night with the shit with uh with the women and stuff. So it's like they're, they're too they're too much line walking, like cross the fuck over the straight asshole heel, either with Pierce or with somebody to kind of give theory that shield to continue on and be the heel, but not take the real fucking heat and the real uh, piss. I was being pissed off at somebody. We, he, we need somebody to aim that at. That's not him, or he's never. This is never going to work for him. And I'll tell you what, crazy thing. I think Theory will be a great face. Yeah, once we get done, that's what I'm saying. But we got it. But it can't be. It can't be that whatever that Xbox heat where we just hate him in general. Like no matter what he does, or like Seth Rollins. Like 
We love Seth Rollins as a heel, but he's ass as a fucking face, and he he gets booed more as a face than he does as a heel. Like, and that's the point. Like, I don't want I don't want to get to with Theory. Like, when he does finally become that face, we just hate him so much in general that he never gets off as a face. And then they're like, well, he failed. He couldn't really connect with the crowds. Like, well, you never gave him really a chance to. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my thing with it. Like, I totally agree. Like, yeah, like, but they're they're building him up as a heel versus a heel reigns champion. And Brock Lesnar, you know, ponytail or whatever, I still am not ever comfortable, like, cheering Brock. So, it's like you've got Theory right there. Dude, this guy could be the ultimate John Cena face. Like, instead of him versus Cena later on, him and Cena together as a tag team for a little bit. Because Cena's saying he, he wants to come back and run more than just one match. Let that Cena rub go. And, you know, let John be the loser in the group. Let him be... Right guy that gets pinned and theories the guys like hey you know john you know build john back up kind of like what they did with flair back in the day yeah no i totally agree like i said it's uh because it's, it's the thing that we all I always talk about on the room like heels in wwe are really the faces because if you really think about it what bad shit do heels do and rep and wwe that's because vince is a heel in real life but he thinks he's the hero of his own story so if you really think about it faces do all the fucked up shit two-on-one matches versus heels, sneak attacking them and shit. Uh, Cena's still in the championship match from fucking uh, Finn. Like, heels don't do anything. The heels get their ass beat and get jumped and get shit fucking dropped on their head. Shit. Heels really get fucked up all the time. They don't do any bad stuff. Like, name the last, like, dashly destructive, terrible fucking thing you were yelling at the screen that a heel has done. Yeah. You can't. You and can't. Yeah, it's been that way since Vince took over. Like, yeah, absolutely. Will mark this down. First Hogan reference. Hogan eye <laughs> scratch used to do the back rakes. Used to do all the matches. Like it was, it was heel. It was a heelish thing. Brett kind of stopped that a little bit. But then, who was your next big face? Shawn Michaels, heel. Steve Austin, heel. Rock, heel. Like, and these are your faces. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I've literally been screaming this for the, the entire time I've been on a podcast. Like if you just take a do a character study and take a look step back and look and see there are heels do not do anything fucked up. They don't. They don't hurt anybody. They don't destroy anybody. They're not getting they're not flipping cars with fucking uh uh, uh what is it fucking <laughs> forklifts. They're not like blowing shit up. Like, no, that's that is faces doing all these terrible things, and then we fucking cheer it. Like other other than waving a flag that's not our country's flag. Exactly. Dude. That's literally it. You 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 want you hate a guy because he's a dentist. You hate a hardworking guy that went to school to fucking become a dentist to do so. You hate a guard. You, you know what I'm saying? You cheer a garbage dude that's literally spitting dip on people and throwing slop and fucking dropping people and fucking uh, dumpsters and shit. Like I'm. You know what I'm saying? Like you hate an aristocrat. Who doesn't who really didn't do anything just bowed when he came to the fucking ring and had yeah. on a nice blouse like what did triple h do bad as as uh, <laughs> when he was that version of hunter herself like you yeah. can't uh duke the dumpster did more shit and henry o'godwin fucked him up more and did more shitty things the triple h and he did to anybody like i said it's like because vince is the hero in his story and all great villains are the hero in their story it's just from the beginning of time comics movies, anything. All great villains think they're the hero. All right, guys. The chat wants to chime in. Allison says everybody loves a good bad guy. 
Uh, Marie says there's a select few heels uh, who do all those things that you're talking about. Uh, then she names a few with Christian. Allison says the only face that she likes is Bianca. Um, Bobby, what has you pissed off for greatness tonight in professional wrestling? I'm pissed off because I don't get to talk to RN enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you what. One of the things that actually pisses me off right now is the live push. Um, you know, she's a beautiful woman. The next thing will, blonde, boom. Um, 16 she, minutes, 23 seconds. Bobby, I just want to cut you off and say I love you. We should start our own podcast because I fucking feel it. <laughs> Let's go, Bobby. RN and B. Yeah, I'm talking about BS. <laughs> um, you know, live, you know, the, the deserve it thing. I, I'm not a big fan of the deserve it thing, but I think that Liv really has grown as a professional wrestler, sports entertainer. Um, she's overcome this whole like comparison to Alexa because that's really where she's been compared to is Alexa. And if you look at the riot squad, where she came from to where she is, she, to John Cena's town, she never gave up. She just kept going, going, going. And is she a five-star athlete in the ring? No. But you know what? The fans are behind her. The promotion's behind her. And that championship looks good on her, not just because of her looks, but the fact that this is that Cinderella story. And I'm a Disney fan. That's This is that Cinderella story. This is somebody that came from nothing. She was the one in the Riot Squad you never thought was going to be champion. And now here she is. And she's done it. And I I really do. I feel like I, I'm really pissed off when people like, and this is one of my guys I like to listen to, Cornette. Cornette calling her a model and doesn't deserve the championship and all this kind of stuff. That does piss me off because if there's anybody, like, and he managed Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton, nobody. Now, I say no body. I mean, no body as in he did not have a wrestler's body. Great athlete. And he worked with everything he had to get where he was. You know, a television champion, tag team champion. Liv, I really do feel like, is the Bobby Eaton of the ladies' women's era right now in the WWE. So, yeah, it pisses me off when people knock Liv. Wow. I, and I knock her too, but my thing with knock her is the crying and the fucking like, like sad shit. Like, no, like, like I get it. Like that was kind of her thing. And that's, but like nothing about her is that weak, like emotional fucking like damsel in distress fucking female. Like you said, like she has been through the fucking ringer. Everyone she ever got involved with gets fired or hurt and gone. Like she is literally like when, when, when you hear rappers or anybody say like, get it, got it out the mud. Like she is the fucking definition of it. And, but like, she's always like crying and like, like, no, like you've done too much. And like pulled yourself out of literally fucking obscurity to be the fucking world champion. Like, I don't want that. I hate, that's what I hate about her. Like I post, I do all the time. The tears era begins. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want that crying shit. Like, no, like that's not who you are as a performer or anything. Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. Like I, it's time for her to recognize what she has done. Yes. Where she is at. And, and be I, confident, not fucking like, I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, and like, I think that's where she needs to be. And if that, that could be a heel turn. Like, yeah. hey, you know what? I've done all this stuff. 
like boom oh yeah i forgot i can curse i've done all this shit I, let, me, let me go. Let me move. Let me grow. Yes, absolutely. I think I would like her a hell of a lot better if she did yeah. that. And like you said, not the I deserve it. She's like, no, you don't deserve it. You fucking yeah. earned it. Let me ask your guys' opinion about something then. If you look at Liv the way you do now, do you think she could be that five feet of fury style champion that Alexa Bliss was before she became the goddess and before she went in with the fiend? Do you think Liv could be that style of champion? Yeah, she'd be bigger. I think she could. I think she could be the person that you know when Rousey goes in the ring, she could beat Rousey. Like yeah. goes against Natalia, everybody beats Natalia, but right. she's believable as beating Natalia. Like my thing is with her is like there is nobody that has an organic fan base like she does. There's not one woman besides I guess if you go with Becky when she became the man and all that, but like of any and even she's even lost that somewhat. Like besides Bianca. And maybe even more than God, Liv has the most fucking ridiculous and foil fan base and organic fan base. It wasn't anything they did to get her fans. Like, she grew those fans herself with overcoming everything that she had. That's why I don't want the fucking crying and shit. I'm like, no, I didn't. I don't. I don't. It ain't that I deserve this. Like, I scraped and clawed and fucking dug in and got this. Like, that's that's the Liv I want to see. Like, I don't want to see this emotional yeah, I'm just happy to be here crying shit. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's not realistic in this age and time for women to be the damsel in distress and just be fucking, like, weak-minded and, like, need somebody to come save her. Like, no, nobody wants to see that, men or women. Yeah, get yeah. that, get, throw that shit out. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're no longer tied to the railroad tracks hoping that the, you know, that the uh, Keystone cops come and rescue you. Exactly. Yeah, like, it's, it's, those times are over, especially with her, like, get rid of that makeup with the tears. Yes, Get rid of the tears altogether. <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I think when Bailey comes back, either Liv and Bailey as a feud or Liv and Bailey as a team would work really, really well because that's where Liv needs to grow to. Like she needs. I think to that the feud the, is right, but it's switching. Let Bailey come back as a as a face. Yeah, because she's gonna have to naturally come back as a face. Right, and then you let Liv turn like I've been here doing this this whole time, and yeah. you motherfuckers are gonna cheer for her. Yeah, and that could be like. Take, take your little bouncy buddies and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Take that ding-dong shit, kick the door, and let Liv just come and, like, kick yeah. the door in on one of her, like, the talk shows or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, something like that to now. give us, give her some toughness, like a fucking backbone. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm so sick of the tears shit. Like, that's why I can never get behind her. Like, I don't want to see somebody crying in the fucking ring, even when they won. Like, I understand if it was a tough loss, like, when she lost to Becky for the title and she finally got a title shot. Like, I get that. Like, I'm not mad at that. Like, you're frustrated. You almost had it. You lost. Fucking a tear comes out because you're that mad. But not when you win. Like, you ain't lost really since fucking then. Like, what are you crying about? You won the money bank and won the title in the same fucking night. There's nothing for you to be crying about. You, you're fucking winning. You are a boss bitch. Why are you crying? Exactly. 100% agree. 100%. Um... For me, gentlemen, there's really not a lot that has me pissed off today. To be completely honest, this will make Marie Shadows happy. Uh... I've been face deep in the G1 tournament for the past probably 36 hours. I can say impressive things like World <laughs> League and MSG League and the IWGP League. Like, I've been studying the history of it. So I've had a pretty good day, man. There's not a lot that's pissed me off. It's been pretty solid. Um, I've got a couple news and rumors for you guys. I'm going to say a news headline, and then I want each one of you to give me your quick 30 to 60 second response on what I say to you, okay? 
Yes, sir. Yeah, um, you just have to define that because most women tell me it's 10 seconds, but I think it's like 45. I'm going to use it. I, I can get the clock out for you so you can see it on the screen. I can time it for you. I know 60 seconds will feel like eternity to you, Bobby. Pineapple does not go on pizza, JJ. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so uh, headline number one. Natalia no sells live at the uh, WWE live shows. Uh, uh, live hits her finisher. Natalia rolls out of the ring. No sells it after the finish. It seems like they're heated. Do you guys have any opinion at all on Natty no selling live? I don't even need to say anything about this. Y'all know where I stand. That's the only reason I put that on my headlines, RN, was just so I could just so I could get you to go off. I saw it, um, and I saw what I think uh, Metzler put on the whole thing um, that it wasn't. Natty directed anything at Liv directly, but you know what? That it's unprofessional. It yeah. doesn't belong. Um, it it totally. Wait, so what? Wait, sorry to cut you off. What did Melissa say? Because like all the shit I saw was like she poked her in the eye or like accidentally hit her and shit. Like Natty was mad. What did what did Melter say? Melter said whatever it was was squashed immediately after the match. Uh, when they got in the locker room, everything mm-hmm. was good. Um, that she was pissed off about something else. Um, but again. Dude, you're out there. You're on the stage. Like, right. you you've got to perform, and doing that, it just it that it, it was just it was classless. It was really classless, especially especially for someone that we talk about with Liv, who's trying to get over. Like, she's got a stigma about her, you know, as this you know uh, little train that could. Right. For Natty, as a veteran, to do that to her, it house show or not, we all know there's cameras out there now, and it's it it I think it hurt Liv. Um, hopefully not too much. Well, my thing is like, everybody's always propping Natty's pussy on a pedestal. Of, like she's this great ambassador and she's this, she's that, she's that. No, she's everybody, not. Everybody, everybody but her husband. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, trash. Like I can't stand her. So like, I, I, I don't even say anything. I agree. Uh, so pretty much fuck Natty. If you can't do the sharpshooter, don't call yourself a heart. Um, Facts. Next, Killer Cross and Scarlet both say no to Impact Wrestling. Do you guys think this is a good good move for Killer Cross? And if he's not going to Impact, where do you think he goes next? It's got to be AEW. I mean, if I was him, I'd go to Japan. I think he would be great in New Japan. Hell yes, he would. Being, uh, and also being that he's not that great in the ring, like he can get away with like knocking people out. I think the only issue with Japan is Scarlet is too much for Japan. Right. Like she fits in really well with AEW. She fits in really well with Impact with WWE, the American audience, um, the OnlyFans page. Um, but in Japan, that's where she's going to fail. So I think really he's got to figure out: is it his career or her career? Right. Stop being the combined career. Uh, Marie says he's in MLW. Not sure if he is signed. Signed. Uh, my understanding is he has a similar MLW contract to how Mike Bennett's is set up between Impact and NWA, where he can kind of he's full time for both companies, if that makes sense. So I think that's how MLW is worded. He's supposed to be full time for MLW, but he can also work full time wherever else he wants to, kind of thing. Right. Uh, I don't think he's under like a uh, an exclusive contract, is the way to put it. Um, MLW and NWA is just, it's one, it's a half a tier over the Indies. Right. Uh, I mean, I honestly feel like 
I think MLW is still indie wrestling in a lot of ways, though. The same way PWG is. If you look at Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, I still think PWG is indie wrestling. Is it top-tier indie wrestling? Absolutely. But I don't think PWG and Limitless on one coast to the other, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between those two. You know what I mean? That's how I feel about AEW. So, I mean, they're all they're all indies to me. So Yeah, it's it's indies with money. It's like how much money yeah. you actually have. Like, that's, that's AEW is the top indie league right now. Yeah, exactly. Marie says Scarlet will do fine in New Japan with Cross as a manager. Um, so I saw today uh, that Raw is moving back to a TV 14 show from a PG rating. That means they're going to be more open to adult-friendly content. Do you guys see this being a shift more towards the Attitude Era with WWE? Are we finally going to start seeing more blood, a little bit more, I don't want to say hardcore matches, but with the nature of the conversation tonight, why the hell not? Do you think we're going to see more of what we see on the other guys making the blend onto Raw and SmackDown with them bumping the rating up? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's clearly that's the direction they want to go. And they know that really that's the direction that wrestling is going. Like you got to kind of follow the trends. And I know that they're publicly trading all that bullshit, but your core audience is what, 15 to 25? Well, they want to see tits. They want to see blood. And they want to see people get their ass kicked. So you got to kick that rating up. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's where they're going to go. I'm hoping like I'm hoping they don't just try to copy the attitude era on, you know, the the smash TV or whatever that's called, you know, right. the quick, you know, quick vignettes or whatever. Like, but again, same time, the attitude era, if you look back at it, everybody was over. Like even Val Venus was over. Like we cared about his stories. Um, even though we knew he was never going to be a world champion contender. We cared about when he was on TV um, other than choppy, choppy, pee pee. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get to that level. I'm hoping that, you know, we have some real matches on TV that, they feel real like and that's where that's where i'm hoping this new rating system goes and the pg era is dead linda's not going to run for government anymore right Vince is on his outs like let's get back to the entertainment that these generations from 15 to 45 enjoy like let us believe what's happening instead of this stage show that's right. been on for the past 20 years I don't want them to go so far as AEW goes. Like, I feel like AEW has too much blood and too much bullshit for not having, like, a hardcore title or reason to have it. But I want them to come, like, right up to the line of AEW. Like, I want to see some blood on pay-per-view, especially, like, Hell in a Cell matches, uh, Falls Count Anywhere matches. Like, somebody should fucking bleed. I'm sorry. Like, they just should. If you're no, in a cage raking each other's heads, somebody should be busting open. Agreed. I want to see some tables uh, and shit shattered. Absolutely. And just, just like you said with AEW, you know, they are the top of the indies. And if you watch an indie guy from the 80s, 90s that are still on the indie circuit, I'll say Ricky Morton, for example, every time they wrestle, they blade. Yeah. <laughs> so if WWE can balance that and not have a blade every single time, but when it matters, when when it's important, right? then it tells the story. Use the blood to tell a story. Don't tell a story by just using blood. Um, if that made it, I guess. Uh, James Drake and Zach Gibson, the grizzled young veterans, are getting the good old-fashioned WWE identity crisis, and they're being rebranded for the main roster as Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler. 
Uh, we've seen this habit over the last few years. What do you guys think about rebranding a solid tag team like the Grizzle Gen Veterans as somebody new for the main roster? My thing is like if they didn't go to like if they didn't come up directly through the WWE pipeline, I understand if you change their name because you want control of it, you're gonna do t-shirts and all that shit. I get it. But when For they sure. came up through from your your double A and triple A and everything to get there, what the fuck are you changing their names for? Like, like we know who they are. Like I, I know they can pretend like the universe, like NXT doesn't exist, but that's not fucking true. Like, especially now that they're on USA and everything, like they know who these people are. Like, I, I don't get the name changes ever. And it's always like the most ridiculous fucking names. And there'll be one name guys within the next two weeks anyway, as soon as they debut. So it's like, what the fuck? Bobby? I don't know. I don't, I don't know who they are. So their <laughs> renaming means nothing to me. Um, you know, WWE has done this for years. Like look, look at Tito Santana becoming the matador. Um, you know, you can look at the, you know, that, that history that they've done. Um, Did you not think the ringmaster was not a great? That wasn't a good gimmick. Dude, what was, that, what was that man of war? What was was uh, just incredible? What was his shit called? Yeah, yeah. Mason, uh, the, Mason the mutilator became mankind. Yeah. Bastion Booger, um, you know, <laughs> they, you know they, but you know WWE again. They have a history of this. Like you know, Kurt Henning, Mister Perfect came in as Kurt Henning, Mister Perfect. They just started calling him Mister Perfect. Kerry Von Eck came in. Originally used his entire name plus Texas term. They got rid of Kerry Von Air because the marketing. Um, yeah. I, I I feel like they've kind of got a stigma now on these NXT guys getting promoted to the main roster and changing their names. They've always done it, but I feel like they're doing it wrong at this point in time. Like they they really need to incorporate the past with the present. Like Dusty Rhodes coming in, he was still Dusty, but now all of a sudden he was polka dot Dusty. It right. wasn't the American Dream anymore. You know, they they might said American Dream, but it was dancing and polka dot, different like different whole thing. Um, if they want to create this, I think they they need to realize that NXT is to us as fans, and I maybe speaking for both of you, like I'm hoping is th- it's part of the WWE brand. It's yeah. Not, it's <laughs> not, yeah, it's not the NWA. It's not ECW. It's not the AWA. It's part of their brand it's part of what they're building up so if you're going to build them in nxt and then promote them it's no longer building them in an indie no longer building them in a territory and changing their changing their profile it's you're building them up from the ground up and i don't know these guys again from adam which i thought was funny when christian said that last night (laughs) but it's you have created this and now you're changing it in within your own company it doesn't make sense to me. Hopefully, it's just for the all the NXT gold guys. Hopefully, the new 2.0 guys that they've all had their hands on, and like they're the reason why they're there. That's why I'm giving 2.0 a chance because like the guys that I like are getting pushed and getting championships, and it's supposedly the new direction. Like these are the handpicked guys, so hopefully they keep their characters and their names when they when this new batch of 2.0 guys get called up. Fingers yeah. crossed. I know it's probably not going to happen, but. Fingers crossed. It's going to be curious, though, now that Triple H is back in play on what right. happens to 2.0. Does does 2.0 become 1.5? Right. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. Oh. oh, Bobby Mack. 
<laughs> All right, gentlemen. So uh, the the main meat and potatoes of the conversation tonight is the history of the strap, the hardcore title. Uh, so I'm going to ask you both, what are your first thoughts when I say the hardcore championship? Uh, mankind in the hotel, in the what is it, the hospital room with McMahon? <laughs> mine, mine is uh, honestly way before that. Um, Will mark this down, Hogan too was when Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, uh, smashed his title um, on Saturday night's main event uh, for his for his match against um, the genius, Lanny Poffo. Uh, that's well, the first time they introduced that belt, that championship. That was what I immediately like thought as a kid or thought as the person was, oh, my God, they taped the old belt together that Kurt Henning smashed with that mullet. Or mallet, sorry. Um, so yeah, mullet. I was looking at you, uh, looking at you, Will, thinking about your Tennessee friends with the other mullets that they have. But uh, yeah, that that mallet. Um, so that was my first thought. Obviously, Mick Foley getting it being handed to him um, was huge as well. Um, the first champion was Mankind. He was awarded the title on November 2nd of 1998. It was retired on August 26, 2002, and it was unified with the IC title. Um, when you think of Mick Foley, when you think of the big boss man, when you think of RVD and Sabu and some of these wild guys in the late 90s and early 2000s, was this the closest WWE ever got to representing what ECW was? Oh, really? I mean, they were like that as a whole, regardless of the hardcore title. Like, like really, it was redundant because they were doing hardcore matches and fucking each other up and tables and bouncing, uh, bending chairs around dudes' heads and shit, whether the hardcore title was there or not. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that Boston went from, you know, the blue cop uniform to the black uniform like you know that all of a sudden made him hardcore like it was right. like oh yeah he's he's gonna you know he's gonna cook a dog or do whatever he was doing with big show's dad and all this other kind of stuff like that made him hardcore like it was it's funny because like for will like will gave me some notes i actually looked some stuff up today and i saw that the wwe uh, website lists the hardcore title from 90 to 99 as 30 or, or sorry as 13 champions and then from 2000 to 2009, 208 different yeah. champions. <laughs> like, and that cracked me up because I was like, well, the belt was made in 98. Like, um, what's this whole 90 to 99? Like, literally the one year that the championship was there was 13 champions. So, you know, it, it was a fun belt. Like, it, was, it wasn't comical originally, but it did develop in the comedy. And it did yeah. develop in some really good some storylines. Like, you got guys over like boss man who was usually a mid card guy, sometimes semi main, you know, sometimes he'd work with Hogan some three times. Um, some, you know, he'd work with them. Um, yeah, but then had Bulldog, you know, that his only main event spot really was with Brett. And all of a sudden Bulldog became a hard ass. Um, with the jeans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With the je fucking jeggings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Al Snow, um, you know, Al Snow, Bob Holly, uh, Crash Holly, you know, all these guys all of a sudden got like, you know, boosted to higher mid card because of this belt. Um, these guys were not, other than I'd say Bulldog, these guys were not IC title guys. But this hardcore belt at one point in time was made to feel special for these guys. Yeah. And that's, 
that's what I remember about the belt. Like, that's what I really like appreciate about the belt was the guys that came from ECW, the guys that came from, you know, the dying WCW, this belt gave them a little bit of prestige, but at the same time got them over. And at the same time after that kind of made you laugh and made you have a good time. Yeah, Bubba and Steve Blackman are like the two guys that come to mind when I think of a hardcore title. Like, I know that's, like, weird, but, like, Steve Blackman, I could just see him with those fucking sticks beating the shit out of people and, like, kicking people through doors and stuff, and then Bubba just going in fucking sane, killing old ladies and women and any fucking person that was around, putting them through tables. Like, I don't know why those two came to mind, but, like, soon as Will, like, said it to me, like, those were literally the first two dudes that I thought of. Uh, when you look at some of the people who have held the championship over time, you guys rattled off a ton of them. Uh, Raven holds the title the most with, uh, where was it at? I just had the, the tape. It was like 26 or something ridiculous. He held it like that many times. Uh, Crash Holly held it a ton. Uh, one of the Godfather's hoes held it at yep. one point. <laughs> like, so when you think about it, there's kind of a, I wouldn't say a who's who have held the ta- or the hardcore title, but I'll snow Raven, Chris Jericho, Rhino, Test, Mike Awesome, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, Rob Van Dam, Kurt Angle, Maven, like Mighty no, Molly like Holly. Right. Like no, the like list Bobby of people. Said, it was a who no, you were right. It was a who's who. Like it was that middle ground for guys that weren't they were either coming down from the main event in the IT, the mid mid main event level, either guys coming down or guys going up. It literally was a fucking who's who. Like there's a bunch of world champions <laughs> that held that beat up ass belt. The Undertaker <laughs> held the title for what 58 days. When you look at it from that perspective, one of the guys who held it the most was Raven. He was an ECW original. He came over into ECW from WCW, which a lot of people forget about that he had that initial WCW run before. When you think Marie says in the chat that he he is one of her favorites, but when you think about Raven as a whole, you don't realize kind of the the wrestling genius that that man was like everything from the way he worked to the way he produced matches to the way he like everything about Raven was very meticulous. And I feel like this was the division that was made for him because of my segue, which is into the 24 seven rule. When you look at how the 24 seven title is used now versus how the hardcore title and the 24 hour, uh, 24 seven, uh, Rural speculation worked. I had a brain fart for a second. If you look at how the hardcore title is handled with the 24-7 rule versus how the 24-7 title is handled with the 24-second rule, would you pick the hardcore title over the 24-7 title? That's a lot of numbers and a lot of words. It's not really any different. Like, what? there's no difference. It's just that no one ever, like, plainly said it about the hardcore title. But everyone knew it was – if you had a fucking ref, the title was on the line. For sure. The only difference is they literally just put that in – to what the the rules for the title is because it's literally fucking called the 24-7 title. So like Yeah, I like, think I the mean, biggest difference was the the disappointment of Foley coming out and er, introducing this green 24-7. Exactly. That was that was the biggest thing I think against that belt was the fact that you had Foley come out introducing a new belt. We're all anticipating hardcore championship coming back. We all know about the hardcore championship. But instead, they introduced this 24-7 belt. And like, what? Why? Right. And it, it was instantly a joke. Like, instantly a joke. Like, um, you know, again, Will, you you know, you talk about, like, 
WWE legends. Like, you know, look at the people like Rhino, former ECW champion. Taz, former ECW champion. Booker T, former WCW champion. Five times, by the way. Um, you look at these guys and, you know, Undertaker, Kurt Angle, these guys were all, Trish Stratus was a champion of yeah. this thing. Like, you look at all these people, like Hall of Famers, that wore, like, this title, that wore this championship, and, yeah, it was a joke championship, but could you imagine a Hall of Famer wearing the 24-7 championship? Like, can you see anybody that's worn that belt as being a Hall of Famer? Our truth Yep. Okay. I'll give you that one. Our Ron Killings, I think he's the only solidified Hall of Famer in the 24-7 division. Right. But that goes with everything he's done outside the WWE. I've said for a long time, uh, he's a friend of the show, I've always said that I don't like the fact that they've made him this eternal jobber when he's genuinely one of the best workers in the company, when he has a chance to work. Like, he's one of the best. But our I don't end- think he is a jobber anymore. Like, as much uh, as he is a jobber, like, he's not. Like, and I think that... I think he was fringe before the 24 title came along. I think the 24 title showed us the, the the comedy shit could go along with him working. And he worked more with main eventers with the 24-7 shit than he did in it when he actually was wrestling. So, like, I I don't think of him as a jobber, even though he is the eternal king of all jobbers. But he does so much more. And, like, he's always, like, just look at Raw this past week. Like, did you think he was going to be the one thrown into that fucking tag team title? situation like and he was fucking amazing at it you know what i'm saying like and i can honestly say i've always been kind of an r-truth hater but like this this last like maybe five or six years like i see his worth and his value and i think that yeah he might be a jobber but he's the best fucking jobber of all time (laughs) yeah i would say yeah i'd say definitely like he's he's like gone above like he actually does funny does equal money when it comes to him and you know like that uh that segment where him and Brock and uh, Heyman and yeah, the about the Royal Rumble. Yeah, oh my god, dude, that that's hilarious! Like it's just it's funny, like it's it's natural, and it, it, like he does so much for that belt, um, and so much for that division, for a division that doesn't deserve him. Right. It really doesn't because I mean, he got over Carmelo. That's all you need to fucking say. <laughs> yeah. Like let's just keep let's be honest. Like he got over Carmelo. Like that that right there puts him in the Hall of Fame just off that alone. <laughs> yep. yep, 100%. Probably more than Corey Graves. Right. <laughs> okay, we are uh, 46 minutes in, and Bobby said something inappropriate about blonde women for the second time. Um, looking at the big history of it, there were a couple nights in 2002 where there were multiple changes. If you remember WrestleMania 18, that was Hogan Rock, Bobby. That's your first mention. How dare you? There it is. That's a three to one. <laughs> Um, but that night you have to think about Maven brought in the hardcore title to defend it in a match against Goldust. And inside that match, Spike Dudley pinned Goldust, then the Hurricane pinned Spike, then Mighty Mighty Holly pinned the Hurricane, and then Christian pinned her, and then Maven pinned Christian. All inside of one pay-per-view, we saw the title change one, two, three, four, five times in one night. Do you think this is the the cool part of the story, or do you think that's overkill in what they were doing? You know, the com- yeah, I think the comedy part was you know good. It was good for the story. Um, it just, but again, it's. I think really once once uh, Crash Holly got the belt, it became a joke belt. Like it became like 
you know, they were going to amusement parks. Um, they were, you know, doing all these, you know, things that got crash over. Like, I don't think we would be talking about crash Holly if it wasn't for this title, right? If it wasn't for this, you know, championship, like we, he'd be forgotten. Um, so it was great for crash. It was great for what they were doing. It was part of that attitude era crash TV, um, that really, it made everybody important. Right. And I really do feel like, yes, this was important stuff. Um, and it was new. It was totally new to us. We hadn't seen a championship change hands this much before. Right. And it introduced us to like this whole new level of what pro wrestling is, what sports entertainment is. So was it bad for the business? No, it was a new, a new thing for the business. It was a new location. It was a new direction for what pro wrestling was going to become. It was the first time WWE didn't take itself so serious. That's what I always take away from. And that's when I always, that's why I love it. And it like gave it so much credit. Cause especially with all the shit, like it was just titties and, and, and people getting their ass kicked and saying, fuck you and flipping people off. Like when the hardcore title came around, like it actually gave you some, some in ring work to go with the shitty shit that they were saying and doing. Like, and it was different for anything that WWE, like, you got to think, remember before all this shit and the attitude there, it was like we just talked about it. it was clowns and uh, Dennis and fucking hog farmers and shit. Like it was such a like hard left turn from what they were had been like two or three years before. So that's why I always liked it because I was like, what the fuck is this? This is not, you know, what I'm saying red, white, and blue rope WWE shit. Like I, this is ECW shit. I, want, I have to sneak and watch at two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night. Like, and it's on fucking Monday Night Raw. <laughs> When you look at how it was used, I mean, there's a, so many parallels between the hardcore title and how it was used and got over so much in the late 90s in correlation with the 24-7 title and to the fact of what you were talking about, Bobby. They got into the cinematic matches. They got into like where they were going out into the world. You know what I mean? They were at the amusement parks and at the, the stupid like soccer matches and stuff. When they got into it, do you guys think that they really, really pushed the the envelope with the Attitude Era in the hardcore division? Do you think what they were trying to do was just to, that wow factor a lot of times? I think it was the first time they actually did it in the ring. Like, we saw the comedy bits backstage. Like, we saw the APA knocking on the door and having to go through the door and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think this was the first time that they actually presented the stuff in front of the live audience more other than like a brother love show or Piper's pit um, or something, or, you know, snake pit, whatever. Like, I feel like this is the first time they actually presented the product in front of the live audience on the stage um, versus being backstage vignettes. So, yeah, I think this was, this was an evolution. Like this really was an evolution of professional wrestling sports entertainment that, you know what, we're not just funny backstage doing these skits. We can be funny in the ring, but also tell a good story. Right. And like, it was, it was pretty much what they had been doing. It was stealing some shit from ECW and introducing it to a main street audience. I mean, mainstream audience and nobody does it better than them. So like, it was, it was perfect. Like I said, it was such a crazy fucking thing compared to what they were before. Like I, it's, it's definitely like high up there on their wow factor. Them just being, being different than what they normally did. 
in the the history of the match, you also had a few times where they suspended the twenty four seven rule, which like when Shane McMahon had it and Mankind was the general manager of uh, Raw at the time, and he suspended the title so that way Shane had no choice but to defend it against Steve Blackman. Uh, when you see these kind of matches, these grudge matches where the guys go in there and you know it's going to be a bloody match, do you guys like those just genuinely hardcore throwdown style death matches? Is that really your cup of tea? It is for me. I love it. I'm, I'm not a big death match fan, um, but. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not death match. That's, that's yeah. crossing the line, too. I think WWE's version, WWF's right. version of death match is nothing like what these idiots do on the indie circuit at this point. Um, You know, when there's a hardcore match, a ECW style match, you know, with barbed wire bats or, you know, chairs, um, fire tables, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Um, Yeah. But you know, when you say death match, will that's a whole new, that's a whole new category that those idiots, if you know what a light tube goes to their heart, that's that's your fault because you're a moron for getting in there and doing that shit. So you're not so a Nick Gage guy, Bobby. You're not on the murder, death, kill bandwagon. No, and I never sold drugs or got arrested for that either with uh, like Nick Gage. So <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Nick Gage does not belong in this business. Um, he's not a business guy. He's he's a he's a moron. He's a, he's a moron that's going out there. He's no different than these TikTokers that go out there and just do death-defying things that hope they survive. Right. Noob says after the freak accident in GCW, he doesn't like death matches either. I feel like this is one of those situations where we talked about our favorite gimmick matches, Bobby. And I think that if the story develops right and everything can build to a street fight or a Texas death match or build using the story, that's one thing. When you get into the GCW realm or the uh, the ICW realm, like the insane championship wrestling stuff where it's all death matches all the time, GCW is, is reined it back a little bit. I'll give them credit there. Mm-hmm. Some of their shows have been pretty dope. Some of those guys have really been killing yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Blake Christian's a hell of a worker. Alex Shelley killed it in GCW for a little while. Uh, they did, however, just do Backyard Fest 4. Uh, backyard wrestling for whatever they called it. And they were literally out there wrestling on trampolines and shit, Bobby. Uh, something tells me you missed that event altogether, right? Yeah. Crazy enough. NXT and wrestling on trampolines. I've missed them both. <laughs> <laughs> something tells me you weren't watching backyard wrestling for, uh, RN, what do you think about like the rise of the Nick Gage stuff? I've never really heard you mention that much about it. That's not really the the rewinds thing. Do you do you know who he is and follow him much like outside yeah, no, of the I, AEW stuff? I follow all that. I pretty much follow all indie and for the most part most foreign shit. Like that's just because Kyle's not up to it, so like I don't really bring it up much. Like it's not the deathmatch shit isn't my thing. Like, I got I know who he is and like I don't. I don't judge it or shit on it because wrestling is supposed to be for everybody and you even need that corner for sick fucks too. So, and like you said, GCW has dialed it back a little bit and they do have some really, really good performers there. So like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I, I don't watch it. Like I, like I would not have watched the backyard for shit, but like if you have one like stupid fucking light tube match on a, on a card, like I'm not going to shit on you for it. You know what I'm saying? It's not my cup of tea, but, Kind of is what it is, but yeah. 
like I like I've learned about mass murderers and all that kind of stuff, but at the same time, like I'm not going to support any of them. Right. And, you know, <laughs> like, is is Manson the king or is it you know Dahmer? Like I'm not going to rate them because I don't think that they deserve that kind of rating. It's not for me. Um, so yeah, do I like reading or watching these documentaries about this stuff? Yeah, but am I going to out go out and support that kind of activity? No, because you know it's a uh, like watching a stripper. That's somebody's daughter, and that's somebody's <laughs> son. That's somebody's son out there. That's somebody's like kid out there. Like they're they're putting themselves out there, and I guarantee you, those guys on that indie circuit are making thirty or forty bucks. They're probably making the same price I was making as a ring announcer, not doing shit other than wiping my feet <laughs> when I walked into a ring and made an announcement. Well, let me ask you guys a question then. I know you are both just avid AEW fans. Do you think AEW could use a hardcore style or 24-7 championship in their plethora of belts? No, they do that shit anyway. Like anytime Moxley's in a fucking match, he's dripping fucking blood. Like that, I finally came around to Moxley's side and now this bleeding every fucking match stuff is like, I just, it's it's not for me. Like I said, they do this shit anyway. Every match has tables. That's my main, one of my main like complaints about AW is like, what are the fucking rules? Like sometimes they have regular match rules and sometimes it'll be the same type of match and the referees letting them hit each other with tables, putting each other through, I mean, with chairs, putting each other through tables and shit. Like, like what are the fucking rules? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know match to match, even though they're all, you don't say it's a hardcore match or a false count anywhere match, but they all fucking turn into that eventually. So it's like, I, it's, it's, it, it, it's crazy as hell to me. I don't get it. Yeah. Tony Khan has to like figure out what his promotion is because he, it's three years now, right? Like two years, three years. Uh, all in was 2018. AEW started in 2019. Okay. So it's been long enough. Like they've got to figure out their identity and move forward with it. And, yeah. you know, to me, like I, watching that tag team triple threat um, a couple of days ago, I'm just sitting there going, how much leeway, like how much do you feel comfortable with these two vice presidents in the ring? How much leeway do you have in that match? Because are they calling the entire thing? Like they've got to get over, like they've got to get these guys out. Like they, you know, they've got most of them out at this point. You know, Cody's gone. Um, you know, I think with uh, um, Omega being injured, like it's helped them a lot develop the singles comp competition. The tag team competition, you got FTR there. You don't need the Young Bucks anymore. Like the Young Bucks are one, no longer young. And that would disqualify the name Bucks as well. So what do you do next? Because I think that's what Tony Khan needs to get over is the fact that He's got some veterans there. He's got Christian Cage. He's got Big Show. He's got Mark Henry. He's got JR, Taz. He's got all these guys there that could develop this into something that's old school slash new school. And I think he needs to figure out what does our real core audience want? Because I'll tell you what, I know you guys know Japan. When I see these guys walk out from Japan, I have no effing, sorry, no fucking clue who they are and why I should be cheering for them or booing them because I don't know Japan. 
Well, so, it's, it's not that you don't know Japan. It's that they didn't do anything to introduce you to the guys they had coming over from Japan. Yeah. Which is what. It, Give me a vignette. When WWF, for example, introduced the machines back in the day, way back in the day, 88, 86. I didn't know who Giant Machine was. Yeah, he looked kind of familiar. I didn't know who the you know other machines were, but they sold me vignettes of these three machine masked wrestlers coming over from Japan. <laughs> when no, I, that's I mean yeah, when, to me, when that's yeah, when, when I when I met Junkyard Dog on WWF television in '84, I didn't know who he was. I wasn't the South guy, but they put him in a friggin' car crusher and called him the crusher and he could defy gravity by, <laughs> by holding the thing up with his strength i knew who he was at that point so why not sell me when mr perfect made all those friggin' bowling shots when you know all these guys did this stuff sell me on who they are build them up before you introduce me to them and that's what they always they just assume because most aw stands are fucking marks for them they assume and because they're from New Japan as well, they assume that people know who they are. Just like you said, a lot of people didn't know who a lot of the guys from New Japan were, including Will Ospreay. Like, that was surprising to me how many people had no fucking clue who Will Ospreay is. Like, he's literally one of the top wrestlers in the world. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that AEW always overthinks everything, overproduces everything, and over just stresses shit that they don't need to. And then the little things like their, uh, the, the Titan Tron movies for their, for their wrestlers. The music, you know what I'm saying? And all the little things they should be worried about, they don't. And like you said, introducing new people, not just a motherfucker showing up. You cut the lights off and a new guy pops out in the ring every fucking time. Like, how many times can you do that? Like, pay the light bill, motherfucker. Or whatever <laughs> dude is fucking manning the switches back there. Like, that dude needs to be fired. Because yeah. he cuts the light. Like, six weeks in a row, the lights cut off and somebody came out. Like, whoever the light guy is needs to be fired. Yep. Like, I, didn't, I didn't know who Osprey was until... Like I didn't, I couldn't recognize him in the lineup, but when he put his name up on the screen, I knew who he was. I was like, "Oh right. shit, I've heard of this guy. Like he's really good. Like he's the top in the like top in the land." But it was like, "Okay, well, now I can put in, I can put a face with his name." Um, but what, what, what should have made them know is that's how people felt about Kenny Omega, but when he came over, yep, like people knew who the Bucks were and they knew who like Jericho and Cody was, but nobody really knew who the fuck Kenny Omega was. I, I have to the, be honest about this. And I, this is something I, that I catch. This is something that I catch a lot of heat for. Like I don't get Kenny Omega. Like I, I knew know. who he was before he came <laughs> over. I knew who he was. I I'm the same person. Uh, Marie says it in the chat. Everybody remembers Will Ospreay being the skinny guy that flips all the time. I right. completely agree with that. She knows up until recently. I was the dude who was like Will Ospreay is just ricochet from Wish. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't think anything about him until I saw him work at Wrestle Kingdom. And I was like, okay, this dude's really fucking good. Then I saw him, you know, by the time we get all the way up to Forbidden Door, I'm like, okay, Will Ospreay's the real deal. He can perform at the highest level on the biggest stage. And that's all I said I needed to see from him. But Kenny Omega, to me, performed the best in New Japan. He hasn't shown me anything in AEW that's just oh, pushed the that. limits. You know yeah. what I mean? So if I have to go back and find something from five years ago where you killed it at G1 in 2016, that's awesome. I'm glad you killed it at G1 in 2016. But I don't want to have to go back six years to watch a great match. Kill it By in the, the biggest... only foreigner to win the Climax too. Yeah, I feel like AEW is doing what Bobby Heenan and WWE did 
back in 1991 when they brought that big gold belt out and said the name Ric Flair and they and they expected you to know the big gold belt. They expected you to know who Ric Flair was. If you were not a WWF fan, if you were a if you were just a WWF fan, sorry, if you were just a WWF fan, you had no idea who Ric Flair was. You had no idea what that belt represented. And I feel like AEW does that constantly now. Yep. They just they anticipate that you are taking notes of everybody and everything that's going around. And truth be told, we are no longer that society that studies all that stuff, looks at all that stuff, other than probably, you know, as podcasters. It's now it's that spoon fed thing that yeah. hey, you know what? This is what you like. And well, another their issue is they assume because everyone knows all the WWE guys they sign, that that means you know everybody. And that, yeah. again, it's them overthinking shit. Like, no, we know those guys because they're on the biggest fucking wrestling show <laughs> on the planet. They're you know on Broadway. They're on Broadway coming down to the street theater. Exactly. Like, coming down to the improv shop and shit. Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yes, we know who the fuck that is. Like, no, we're not going to know this off-Broadway guy that performs in Germany. Like, we need some fucking backstory to this guy. <laughs> tell, me, tell me why I like him. <laughs> right. Uh, chat says, pretty much everybody agrees Kenny Omega's overrated. I mean, that seems to be the long uh, and the short of it. Fuck all you guys in the chat. and RN, yes. RN disagrees. You guys don't know what you're talking about. RN is Kenny Omega guy. Uh, RN, I do have to, to chime in and... I have to be a little bit of a stickler because I've been watching. You're right. Kenny Omega is the only foreigner to win the G1. But do you know who the first non-Japanese winner was to win the... Shit, I just saw this. Uh-huh. I've got it. I've got it. And I've got it queued up for Bobby. Oh, yeah. It was Hogan, for sure. Hogan. Yeah, 1983. He won the, uh, the inaugural IWGP title. I had no idea that the IWGP title, when it was introduced, wasn't defended regularly like a championship. Like it was just the once a year and then the winner of the tournament fought whoever held the title. Like these are things yeah. that even I, I had no idea about International it. International wrestling grand prix. Yeah. No, I knew, <laughs> I knew all of that, but like it, yeah. Like when I found out about it, I was like, holy crap. In the world league before that, Andre, the giant swept the entire field and then Inoki got him on a fucking count out to win the title. I was yeah, like, I holy think, crap. I think like Andre won it three times, maybe. Uh, Andre was the first person to win it that wasn't named Inoki. He won two. Inoki won two of the first World Leagues. Then Andre won uh, the MSG League year two. Yeah. The MSG League was happening. Inoki won like ten, I think. He's won ten altogether. I'm pretty sure. Inoki yeah. won ten of the first fifteen uh, yeah. G1s. <laughs> ten of the first fifteen, ladies and gentlemen. Japanese and then you think so about. Hot. Then you think about the fact that Chono came through and then you look at everybody else that came through. I'm going back to my notes from like days now. Uh, you had uh, the three musketeers from the New Japan Dojo, uh, Chono, Mudo, and Hashimoto, which were just one big dude that beat the shit out of everybody, a high flyer, and then a technical genius. Like So they ran the G1 Climax for 10 years from the early 90s all the way through the early 2000s. Chono was a fucking beast. Uh, then you get to your Nokatas and your Nagatas and your Okadas and your Natos and your Omegas and your Tanahashis. Like, you think about the 20 years before those guys got there that the G1 Climax was just fucking murdering wrestling and nobody even, like, the mainstream American media didn't even give it any props at all. Was there a rule that they had to end with an A? 
No, Bobby, you're just racist towards Japanese people. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, since it we've been slightly racist, but I was also thinking the same thing. <laughs> we've completely derailed. We went from the WWE hardcore title to AEW to New Japan, and now we've been talking about the G1 tournament for the last. Well, you know. well, who who owns a beach? Who owns a beach shop in Tampa? Oh, you're talking about Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's three to three. So we're tied now. Got him. Oh, you got me. <laughs> Gentlemen, this conversation has completely derailed, but it does come into my favorite part of the night. RN, tell everybody what you've got going on, where to find you, plug your stuff, and what's going on. Uh, don't forget to check me out on Twitter, Mr. 8984. Also follow the, the main pod, Smack Raw Pod. Uh, catch me on Facebook, Mean Jelly Bean Memes, if you want to make your parents uh, butthole's pucker from some pure ignorant shit. Um, Route 4 Kennels on Instagram. If you guys are looking for puppies, we got Frenchies, French Masters, uh, American Bullies, and Toy Poodles. And then also Mean Jelly Bean Productions on uh, on YouTube. Sandwich and AJ, go ahead and check that out. And then uh, we got Children of the Corn dropping on uh, August 22nd. Bobby Mack? Uh, you can follow me on TikTok at Yellow Shoe Guy, Twitter, Yellow Shoe Guy, Twitch. Guess what? Get a shoe guy. And uh, anything else, uh, you want to find my accounting website, you can easily go to uh, LinkedIn or Linktree, sorry, Linktree, and find me there um, for some spicy videos and some other good stuff. So Stop uh, sending me pictures of your feet. <laughs> hey, bro, as long as you keep paying, I'm going to keep sending. That's on Allison's card, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, remember to follow the boss bitch at Boss Watch and Share Shots, Miss Allison at Just a Girl 918. Remember to follow the uh, fearless leader of the Smack Girl Podcast Network, Kai Tai Show, Mr. Kyle Tyson. Uh, if you're one of the Facebook persuasions, uh, head over and follow the Orange Ribbon Rumble. It's a great benefit charity show that Botch Bots and Share Shots is pairing with Pro Wrestling Alliance. It's coming up on August 26th. We're going to start releasing some really great cards, some really great like superstars that are coming. There's going to be a silent auction. Lots of cool stuff coming up for that show. Uh, so... Now as we close another episode of Botch Pods and Share Shots, I want to take a minute and thank you for listening. Remind you to go wherever you do anything on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, iHeartRadio, Twitter, Spotify, literally you have all the options. Like, follow, subscribe, unsubscribe, then subscribe again. Leave a comment telling me how great I am or how terrible sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and helps me find new listeners. If you're feeling really generous and we want one of the VIP people, head over to Patreon.com and donate to the Smacked Raw Podcast Network. You get some swag, we get some fantastic guests. It's a win-win. For RN and Bobby Mack, I am your host, the Will Gray. Thanks for stopping by and listening, my people. Watch spots and share shots. And people, just to start off, if y'all haven't, go subscribe to Botch Spots and Share Shots on all platforms to make sure we get here on Botch Spots and Share Shots, one of the hottest podcasts out here. Definitely from the spotlight. DJ Savage represents the takeover all day. And Botch Spots and Share Shots, just Savage!